Hey, Calvin. Shut up now, yeah, I ain't even introduced myself yet. <laughs> it's like that bitch knows when I'm here. screwed over today because of that. And technology. So I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. Maybe. Tenuous. Tenuous at best. CommanderCast.com Hello everyone and welcome to CommanderCast episode 222. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology. Hosted on MTGcast.com and our home site, CommanderCast.com. We're recording this on October 22nd, 2015. That, it, huh, that lined up pretty well. Okay, then. What? Yeah, it's episode 222. I'm recording this on uh, the 22nd of October. It's like five two. Yeah, but, yeah. If, it, if this was episode 222 and we were doing it on February 22nd, then I would have said, you know, we deserve a cookie. I deserve a cookie anyway. No, you don't. Yes, I am, because I'm the host of the show, and you are my perennial co-host, Calvin. How are you doing today? Uh, hey, everybody. It's Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Redson around the Internet. Uh, let's see here. Episode 222. Jeez, Williams, that means we've done 122 of these already? Uh, yeah, we have. Huh. Or at least between the two of us, we have. Yeah, so, so somewhere between the two of us, we've done 122 Commander Cast-based episodes. Let's see here. For any newer listeners out there, you can always listen to us. That means you've got plenty of stuff you can check out. We've got plenty of archives. And if you don't like the sound of our voice, you can go back to Commander Cast Episode 1 and go through 1 to 100 and hear the previous host, Andy. Memories about the way we used to be. No, no one's nope. joining in on me that? I don't fine. Screw all of y'all. I don't care. I have no clue what the hell you're saying, and I'm the most musically inclined on this outside of clay. That's because I'm tone deaf. <laughs> don't judge me. William's discriminating against handicapped people. Just because I'm tone deaf doesn't mean you get to judge me. Because they amuse you. So, Clay's on here with us today. Hey, Clay. Hi. <laughs> uh, Mark can't be here tonight because Mark caught the plague from his students, as people are wanting to do around October. Uh, but we do have special guest host, Jacob, on. How are you doing today, Jacob? Pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. So, Jacob, for the people who might not know, what do you do for the website? Uh, right now I'm, uh, in charge of, well, not really in charge. I'm a moderator on your, on the Reddit page and, uh, and also on Facebook and I just kind of keep the discussion going. And a damn good one, too. Proud Thank of you, you Jacob. <laughs> Thank you. All right, then. Don't so... let no one ever tell you otherwise. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for that special thing that we do every week. It's Favorite Commanders of the Week. And, Jacob, since you're the guest, let's go ahead and start you off. All right, well, uh, I got to throw a shout-out to uh, Uncle Landrops for this idea. Heartless Hidetsugu is uh, probably, I'm going to say, one of the most powerful creatures in Magic just because he has the ability to tap and do uh, an undiscernible amount of damage uh, at any given point. You pair him with anything like a Luxodon Warhammer or... Uh, if you're really crazy like me, a grafted exoskeleton, you can end the game really fast. Yeah. All right. 
Samuel and you- Calvin, you keep cutting in and out. Yeah, Calvin. His communication was not cooperating with him today. So let's go ahead and That's keep unfortunate. Well, I don't know why. Okay, Calvin's having himself some temporal distortion. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. I was about to say, I was watching Twilight Zone last night, so a little hazy on the sketchy, voicey things, but okay. I blame you. The reason I'm messing up is because it's Halloween and because evilness follows me around like the plague. It still hasn't caught me yet, but it has reached into my pocket and touched my phone on several occasions. Wait, what? Okay, so Clay, who's your favorite commander this week? Um, I'm gonna have to go with Kron the Donclad because of something ridiculous that happened last Friday night. Um, you tell. So we were playing plane chase for the first time in forever. Um, and we ended up on Otaria, which is, or no, not Otaria. Um, Talon, no, I forget which one it was. But basically all instants and sorceries have rebound. Yeah. And so. Oh, wasn't that Bryn? Uh, yeah, Trail of the Mage Rings, that's what it is. Um, and so, you know, things are going fine. And so, someone cast the Great Aurora. And because we wanted ultimate hilarity, we let it get rebound. So, it happened then, and then it was going to happen on his next upkeep. So, I didn't get that many lands off of mine. I shuffled maybe, like, ten cards in, drew ten, um, played a land... Played a card, had to discard a couple things at the end of my turn. Um, and so what I thought about was like, you know, if the next, if the next Aurora draws me into replenish, what is the best thing to have in my graveyard? So I discard, um, both the Bow of Nalea and the Smear of Heliod and a couple other things. And then what do you know? The Great Aurora draws me into replenish with enough lands to cast it. Huh. And the guy tapped out and lowered his shields because he was playing Angus Group Hug or whatever. Angus McKenzie. Um, so I replenished into like 20 things, and the game was over pretty darn fast. Okay, then. Yeah. Plane I, chase. Uh, just, hey, hey, plane chase. More, more like Great Aura. Just... I'm, <laughs> um, not, I'm other, not proud of that card. Other funny things that have happened with the Great Aurora... Um, I judged SCG State Standard last weekend. And How was that? The, um, it was it was great. We had about 134 players for Standard. Um, North That's... Carolina State's was won by Todd Anderson. But uh, so one of the other local judges brought in a green black Great Aurora deck, uh... just just to play for fun. So he was running. Uh, you know, he was running Ugin, he was running Obnixilis, he was running Crux of Fate, basically Control plus um, plus Great Aurora. And there was one point where I walked by and I saw that he had an Obnixilis at eight counters and it was about to go into his turn. And so I watched and he said, minus eight Obnixilis, give you an emblem, cast Great Aurora. But, but, well, 20, trig- 20 plus triggers on the stack. But that just kills someone. Yes. That's the point. Was that someone you, Clay? <laughs> no, that someone was not me. All right, then. It was a lot of fun. It was just hilarious. Anyways. Okay. Anyways. Next. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, my favorite commander this week, I'm going to have to go with an oldie but goodie. Uh, digging back into the archives of decks that I've had, it's going to end up being Reese the Redeemed. Uh, primarily because last week we were talking about white, mono-white reanimator, and then... We got a tweet from a listener who sent us a copy of a 
green-white reanimator deck that they had built. Oh, yeah, you're talking about uh, John, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, shout out to John. And after looking through it, I was like, you know what? Hmm. And now I was like, you know what? Let me go through my Reese the Redeem deck to see if there's anything in there that I might think about to try to attempt this deck. Even though I kind of like the idea that John brought up of swapping out the commander. Because I think he went with the green-white dragon uh, uh, from Kami, not from uh, Kons of Tarkir. Not Kons. It was the flashback. Uh, Fate Reforged? Whatever green-white dragon Jermoka? was. Yeah, yeah that, that thing. And I was like, yeah, and then he brought up the idea of potentially making a red-white with Brian Stoutarm as the commander, using the reanimate targets to get our creatures back, and then using Brian to, uh, Brian the Stoutarm to just fling them at people's faces. And I was like, you know what? I actually like that idea, and I'm going to hold on to it. So this way, after the next red-white commander product comes out, if the deck doesn't really suit my taste, that's exactly what I'm going to tweak that deck into being. A uh, Brian Stoutarm reanimator deck. Boros Reanimator. Throwing people. Boros Reanimator. Come back to life so I can throw you at someone's face. That sounds great, actually. Doesn't sound as good as Boros Control, but sounds pretty cool. Well, Boros Control is pretty simple. It's like mostly just like a handful of lightning bolts and shocks. Yeah. I mean, that's how Boros does control, right? I mean, you know, burn your opponent's face until they die. Well, in that case, then uh, my uh, Heartless deck is a mono-red control deck because I just control everyone's life total until it's zero. Exactly. That's the best way to control people. I mean, I understand, like, you might want, like, other colors, like, you know, they might go with hand manipulation and a deck manipulation and controlling the field. But, you know, a good red control deck, it controls the life totals, and it brings them to zero. Well, you can, control, you can control hands, too, with, like, Wheel of Fortune effects. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? I want them life totals down to zero. Oh, I'm with you, man. <laughs> what was it? Like, what was Ashley the Pilgrim and her 99 Mountains is a red control deck? It definitely is. All right, then. It's only got one win condition, ladies and gentlemen. Well, well, board sweepers are board sweepers are really, you know, a, like a control staple, and that's what she is, really. She's a board sweeper, and she's the only win condition. So that that, in my opinion, that makes a control. All right, I, let's go ahead and keep I, this going, guys. All right, so no. my favorite commander of the week, Aurelia the War Leader. This week, I decided that a couple of games were taken just a little too long, so I decided to bring just a a battalion of Captain Face Puncher. By which I mean I brought the Aurelia deck that literally has every Gideon I have. <laughs> so, apparently going turn 3 Tajik into a Gideon Champion of Justice who pumps himself up to 7 into Aurelia just spells instant death for the poor Jazal player who thought he was safe to attack someone. I saw I saw that on Twitter, actually. You posted a picture. Uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. Like, Champion of Justice is literally the worst Gideon, but at the same time, he is literally just Captain Face Punch. And I am okay with that. When Gideon gets in for 14 damage in one turn, that's some good work. Boros Control, man. No, not Control. Face Punching. Face Punch! All the punches! Face! Yeah, that's that's Control. Yeah, Controlling controlling how much... Because you're controlling how much blood is coming out of your opponent's nose. I will say, though, this was the same game where I was playing against an Omnath Locus of Rage player, and he managed to stay alive for just enough turns to scapeshift me using Valakut and the new dragon that shocks someone every time a mountain comes into play for eight mountains. So for every mountain that comes into play, he lava axes me. And I got knocked from 41 to 1, and then he went Swing Bulbarigmos. I blocked the stuff. 
And he didn't want to lose his bubble, so he bolted me. Yeah. Catch. <laughs> yeah, like, no, he didn't even... He already used lands from Bubba Rigmos to shoot all my stuff. He just literally paid one red and bolted me. <laughs> I have a quick question. Yes. Uh, concerning uh, Omnoth. Are you seeing a lot of him played? Because at my card shop, it's like, he's in... It's almost as popular as uh, Nekisar was. See, that's kind of what I was afraid w- would happen. But so far, it's only one person he's playing on that. I've actually seen two or three other people playing Noyan Dart after I introduced him, though. Oh, cool. Yeah, actually, you introduced him? Taking yeah. a lot of credit there, aren't you? I mean, I was the first one to play him. And while, yes, my friend was correct in saying, you know, other people were interested in playing him before I started playing him. I did have someone say, you made, I made the deck look fun and they built it because of me. Ergo, I get at least partial credit. <laughs> although, Fair. although now said friend is building a Shu Yun deck that's templated after my Noyan Dar deck and has like Young Pyromancer, Talran, and Monastery Mentor in there. <laughs> so like, that's just the trifecta of, uh, all the instances and sorceries. Trifecta of flattery. Exactly. Actually, Shunyun's actually pretty good for that. Yeah. What, Shunyun's gonna flatter you now? So, I did, oh, I did actually manage to get the part of the water veil I wanted for Noyandar. Nice. Alright then. So, so, uh, I, I, one second. I, I wanna call, uh, like, when I see that happen, like, where there's a commander that takes over a metagame, I call that the Nekisar effect. <laughs> I like that. Like, I, it, it's fun, like, the list that I've heard, like, William has, where he talks about, like, it's a game show and everything, sounds really fun, but I wish everyone played it like you did, William, because they play that deck super mean, and, uh, yeah. To be fair, I do too. I only, <laughs> I only play Possibility Storm to lull people into a false sense of security. That, that's fine. And all the instants are, in fact, counterspells, so I'm guaranteed to counter whatever you Possibility Storm into. <laughs> So, at least with William's view of it, like, you know, it might still be just as rapey as the other one, but in the same token, at least he'll try to lube up, light a candle, set the mood before he just randomly just (laughs) has his way with you. All right. (laughs) All right. So, according to Mark's research, uh, how many whales got banned? Let's see. Because the banning polls are done, and it looks like only 5.5% of all great whales were banned. Oh. Only 5.5%. That's all, that's like, ah, 44. Is that enough to make it onto the ban list for the community thing? 44 out of 22,000 votes. That is a small number. Well, we tried to get there for like half a year, and then it fell off. But then, there was like one and last it fell off as in, It fell off as in William completely forgot about it because the whales like stopped attacking him, so. Is Next that- time we have the community ban poll, he'll be going after the bears. Oh, bears. Now, you got, you gotta leave them alone. Like, they've, they've been through enough already. And put up Jay Cutler. Ugh. Alright. So, weekly schedule. If you like what we do here at CommanderCast, go ahead and go to our main website where you can go ahead and get every fresh episode. You subscribe to MTG Cast? That's awesome. Nothing wrong with that. Except that you're one week behind of our regular show. You can go ahead and subscribe to our RSS feed, anything like that. Download us directly and put us into a playlist. I mean, not that I don't blame people who use iTunes exclusively. In fact, if I can figure out how to get us onto iTunes directly, I might do that, but eh. Tuesday, Journey of the Summer is back on the air. Yeah. Thanks to... No. Cap- no? <laughs> but I just... spoken. All right, so Journey of the Summer is back on there, and we got Deck Builder Spotlight this week, right? Uh, yes. 
You, I've been waiting for this. Sounds like Mark's finally been able to talk to some people. Uh, yeah, our Tuesdays are getting back on track. So, so uh, if you're hearing this, last week we had a journey somewhere. I had William talking about pre-releases and angels. This week, I haven't gotten around to editing the new deck builder spotlight that Mark had sent me, but there will be one there tomorrow and potentially some other like random stuff that you, the listeners, might not even care about because it's about a totally different card game that's not Magic or Hearthstone. Yeah, I know, right? Magic. Ugh, who plays that? <laughs> so Wednesday, we have our strategy segment. Currently, Grandpa Growth is going over the best cards for each color. Fantastic, as always. Thursday, you get to alternate between Rivals Duel with Eric and Noel, and they alternate with The Stack with Uncle Landrops and Grandpa Growth. A new pod, another podcast in which Calvin may potentially be editing. What? 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 You said what first? No, you said what? What? Person who said what, what first says what? Huh? What? What? <laughs> Enough of this nonsense. Friday! Okay, so what, so what are we wanting about now? What? I don't know what. Huh? So what were, t- what were we talking about? Stack? I, maybe? Is that what we were talking about? I'm actually starting to forget what we were discussing. I know we were talking about, like, Thursday and something. Wait, oh, yeah, uh, we were talking about, like, yeah, like I said, uh, I will be doing the editing for the stack. Okay. As soon as I get a file for it. <sighs> and William is completely not impressed. And that's perfectly fine, because he doesn't need to be impressed, because on Friday, we have Squirecast. And they will brighten up your week by rounding ours out and telling you some amazing stuff. Yay! Squirecast! Yeah, this particular week, Squirecast will be doing their Halloween episode, spooky and shit. And Ooh, I'm gonna apparently, the scariest th- and the scariest thing that they can do is give you William on it. Yeah. Wait. What? 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 Huh? Huh? What? Okay. No. No. We're not doing this. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? So Monday. Is that going to be what? the show name? The show so, title what? will be what? So, Monday through Friday, we go ahead and repost content every day of the week. Go ahead, head to our website and check us out. Uh, with me wanting to make the transition to the next job soon, um, I'll be leaving, I'll be finally out of the shitty warehouse job and working at the store full time. So I can actually start work, focusing on Commandcast as a part time job. So I can actually get the Patreon started, hopefully within the next couple of months. All right. So if you want to join in on the conversations as well, go ahead and head to the Reddit forums, which Jacob here actually made for us. Fantastic job on that. Did William just give us, like, a paradox? What? No, no, no. time travel, man. There's only one doc, okay? He just happens to be in multiple timelines at once. Ah. I also updated the uh, the show name. (laughs) I will elegantize that at a later point. Uh, Let's see. The banner poll will be over with Halloween. So go ahead and get on, in on that. Halloween will, in fact, be the last day to vote on that. Come November, we will know what we have going forward. I think I'm just going to vote for Prasha like 7,000 times. Uh, not in this universe. <laughs> Reboot! All right. So coming up, we're going to go into our community segment, and we're going to discuss net decking and asking for help on set decks. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. What? Information's super spider watts. So are we going to talk about like EDH rec and all that, like like places to go to net deck or EDH like... rec tapped out stuff like that? I like it. Let's do it. 
Leroy Jenkins. I, gu- I guess for the sake of debate, um, who here doesn't care? I, I, I don't. I don't care about deck deck net decking. If I could say it right. Okay. Here, uh, or a better question: Who here cares about net decking? Uh, slightly. It just. Yes, like I thought. No one gives. Hey. So, for our community today, we're going to talk about neck decking and asking for help. Now, Jacob, we were talking before, and you want to go ahead and start a podcast where people can send you their decks and basically ask you for help doing, you know, like adjusting the decks, making them stronger, maybe helping them reach their theme, making them playable, more competitive, just various things like that. So, there are a few tools that I suspect you'll be using. Do you want to go ahead and talk about your favorite one? There's a website called edhrec.com. We've talked about it before, or you guys have talked about it before. It's a um, really good thing that you could use, a tool, like if you're a newer player or you just want to see what else is out there, like what cards go into which decks. And it, it displays it kind of elegantly where it has like a, it actually shows you the actual card on the thing. So it's not like just a list of cards because sometimes that can be uh, annoying. When you could just see the whole deck in front of you, it's really nice. There's also a uh, tappedout.net. That allows you to, and I'm sure that a lot of Magic players are used to using this. You just go there, make a make a deck. It shows you your mana ratio and all that kind of stuff. Helps you like uh, make the deck and everything, and it's easy to share. Yeah, I've like I've been looking at EDHRX stuff for a couple of d- days now, and it's actually really cool what they do. You know, all those was that a keyboard cat? Okay, so. I, that, that cat just completely derailed my train of thought. Focus, William. Focus. Oh, oh, it's the loading, the loading, the loading cat that's like typing on a keyboard. Well, okay then. Apparently, it's literally a keyboard cat. Yeah. yeah apparently, EDH Rec will entertain you with keyboard cat while they, while you wait for stuff to load. Okay then. Cats in the internet. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. Just okay, Clay. Why don't you take over for me? Because I okay. Okay. Um, EDH Rec has basically users can submit their decks into the database, and then based on the frequency of cards in the decks, based on the commander, if you type in a commander, it will give you recommendations of cards to put in that deck based on what other people have put in that same sort of deck. Um, it's basically a really good way to figure out like what the quote-unquote staple cards for a given commander are. Of course, because some commanders are more popular than others, some like William, how many Draco Genius decks were on there when you put yours in? Uh, let's see. Let me take a quick look real quick. It says there's like 270 Marath decks in there, but there's only 65 Draco Genius decks. Yeah. Um, and they have like a little most popular commander spot where Olaro is at the top. Probably like has always been at the top. Like 5 um, million decks. But yeah, it's a cool resource, but... Now I want to go to this site and just type in Ashling to see how many times the mountain is recommended. And like more, most people, like it's like like the, the top five cards to put in the Ashley and the Pilgrim deck, and they're all mountains. Um, <laughs> number of decks in database sixty five. Okay. Um, I see one called Ashling Firebomb pulled from Tapped Out, which I assume is you know that one. Uh, um, let's see. Scrolling down, it doesn't actually list basic lands. Yes. So we can't see how frequently mountains are found in Ashley decks. So what? It, so what it should say is, um, in a no cards available because they don't. It's not allowed to tell you about basic mountains, so there's nothing there. 
61 Ashling decks, no cards other than the basic mountains. You're welcome. Okay. That, so the problem with that is I don't think a lot of people put their like like you, would you want to put your Ashling and 99 mountains on tappedout.net? It would just seem yeah, a little of course. yeah. Of course I'm I sure. would. In fact, I'm gonna go there and put it here right now, and I'm thinking about it. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. I offended you. So EDH Rec covers the like card recommendation side of it, whereas something like Tapped Out gives you entire lists of commander decks and really any other format you could think of. Um, and that's basically what this discussion is going to be out, like taking recommendations versus actually just building an entire list that someone else built. Yeah, and I like that quite a bit. So let's go ahead and start doing – let's go ahead and start with the, the base. The base is that some people like the net deck and use that as a template. And really, that's kind of what I recommend. I recommend, if you have trouble just figuring out how to put something together, look at what other people have done, and just copy what they've done, and then modify it just based on your playstyle. Like, I'm actually going to, I'm probably going to do that with Sliver Hive Lord soon, just because, for some reason, I can't figure out five-color decks on my own. It's just not a thing I can do. Like, like I've listened to Nolan Eric recommend building around, like, three colors and all that, and, like, I followed some advice. Like, we had that one episode where Mike and Brian from the Manipole were on to talk about another person's five-colored god deck, and I still have trouble actually just playing five-color slivers. So I, I I just need to see what someone else is doing, I guess. So there's there's a bit of a difference, though, between, like, looking at what other people have done for inspiration and just pulling an entire list. Like, yeah. um, I will never condone building someone else's list card for card, 99 for 99, just because there's something about multiplayer commander where there should just be some sort of, like, personal flair for your deck, you know? Like, at least as a deck builder, it feels like I'm putting part of myself into any deck that I make. And so for someone to be like, oh, yeah, I saw this Sign of the Ur-Dragon list online, and this is how it wins, it's just like... You didn't make that deck yourself. For other competitive formats, that doesn't matter because you just want to build the best deck to win. But see... But when it's a casual social format. But see, did not a wise man once say, good artists copy, great artists steal? I don't think that's... Isn't that your motto? Here. It's, no, mine is, it's not stealing if it's an homage. <laughs> I don't know, something about that just sounds like theft. There's a lot of prisoners that say that same thing, William. Mm-hmm. There's only been one deck that I've constructed almost exactly like someone else's, and I think it was maybe like 85 cards were the same. And it's just because if I were to build that deck, that is exactly how I would have built it. Someone else just happened to beat me to it. So there's also um a thing of like, if you build someone's deck, they, uh, normally you build a deck for like the environment or the meta you're in, right? Yeah. And so if you build someone's deck, it you you might have cards that don't work for you in those decks. Because yeah. they play it because of their environment. So um, it's it's good to, like, maybe look and get recommendations or, uh, you know, look at other people's decks just to see, like, what works with that. But then also you got to tune that for your environment. I see. So seeing as that we're talking about, like, pre-constructed decks and everything like that, uh, interesting side note to kind of jump into here just to kind of get something, just to get the group's opinion. Pre-cons. We're getting them soon. We're getting five of them. We've gotten five of them every year for the last, what, three years now? Uh, actually, no. For technically four? This, te- four cycles. 
This will be the fourth set of them, but they haven't been, it's been year after year. Well, you know, like, you know, well, this will be the fourth year, quote-unquote, not in, like, synchronous, but, next, you know, fourth next time. Next year, 2016, it. Commander's five-year anniversary, officially supported. <laughs> so, but with that, you know, what, what would you say about, like, I don't know, I pick up the Neckerzar red-blue-black pre-constructed uh, deck from Wizards of the Coast, and you know what? I like it. I have no real need. I don't really feel as though I need to add anything to it. Can I play or change it? Of course I could, but in the same token, I like the way the deck plays, and I don't really feel like powering up or depowering it just to fit my meta. How would you say, what would you say to these particular things? Would you say that's wrong? Would you say, like, you know, because I am technically playing the same deck card for card that, you know, some other players out there would have. See, any new player who happens to buy the product, in fact. See, I actually know a couple of people who, when they see, like, the new commanders for the pre-cons, they'll have their decks all built out, so when they buy the deck, they just take the card out of the box and sleeve it up and play with the deck they already have. And that just seems wrong to me. Like, come on, people actually worked hard to put these decks together. You should try just play around with what they built for a little while at least. If anything, you'll get some new experiences out of it, and they go, no, I don't want to play a deck that someone else built. And like, again, I, I can understand that, but come on, they worked hard on these. So, uh, yeah, I bought the... They just wanted to get a commander, they just done the, um, commander's arts and just put a new commanders in there and just let you just do what you wanted. Yeah. Someone got paid to build these, so you guys could play with it, and you're just ripping it apart, selling off the draft fodder, no, selling off the pack fodder. To legacy players, just because this happens to have a merfolk in it, it just happens to break that format. So I, I bought the, the game. Calvin, I let the man talk. <laughs> no, they're ruining uh, the game. Wait, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jake. I, I bought the uh, Prosh deck um, because I I read Prosh and it, you know it's it's Prosh, right? Uh, he yeah. is unbelievably powerful, and I I started playing the the original uh, like intent of the wizards, right? So I, I was playing it and playing it, and slowly over time, uh, like, I bought it a couple years ago. Now there is not one card in it that is from the original except Brosh himself, minus maybe, like, uh, the a, yeah, the basics of it. Well, not not even the, those are full arts now, but, um, yeah. it, like, I've completely tuned it out, and the deck is, it runs like a machine. But, um, I, I love, I love to play the decks, like, as they first um, as they first are, because it gives you like a, an idea of what the commander can do, because all those cards are like tuned for it, you know, not highly tuned, but they're uh, um, uh, the, the word escapes me. Oh, I was echoing a little bit. Not highly tuned, but they're like, um, you're like we see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. It's like a nudge in the right direction. The difference between like taking a precon and a net deck or a deck from the internet, in my opinion, is that. Um, like when you take a net deck, when you are planning to buy someone else's deck, you are committing to spending all of the money that they put into it. Whereas with the pre-cons, I see the pre-cons more of like a jumping off point, especially for people who are new to the format, because it gives them something playable, but also something to build on. Whereas when you see a list on the internet, it's kind of assumed that it's already well-tuned and that they've already put in all the time to test it, which is considerably different than picking up something off the shelf of a target, because those decks definitely are not optimal. You're de- it's but definitely it, right. But, but it, it gives you a place to start from, whereas starting 
with a deck that someone else has already built on the internet doesn't have that same sort of starting point feel. It definitely doesn't, but at the same time, you know, there is something to be said uh, about, okay, I do just want to play what's probably the most powerful or most optimized version of this deck. People have already done all the legwork testing all these cards out for me. Let's just go ahead and go with what the machine has turned out, right? But still, even the most optimum net deck that you put together is potentially built for a meta that's not your own. Yeah, you still have even, to like, work with it. Right, because like, even if, like, like I don't know, say, for instance, uh, uh, you go online and you find the most optimum version of Reach to Redeem and it's token generating and everything of that nature, but if you're in a meta that's filled with rafts and the optimum, quote-unquote, Reach to Redeem deck doesn't have anything to stop rafts, then that deck's just going to get completely trounced by your local meta group, and then you just spent all the money building the best deck for that, and it did nothing for you. Now you've got to change some stuff around anyways. Like, like I can understand, like, let's see, if we had, like, a website where you could go to and it actually had, net, like, net decks for particular metas, you know? Like, it specifically said, like, if you are the kind of, if your play group is the kind of group that rafts the board constantly... Here are the top three types of Reese Redeem decks you can potentially put together to win. Then, yeah, then I can understand that. But currently, as far as I can tell, as far as I know, uh, there isn't such a site. Patent pending, patent pending, patent pending. But in the same token, because of that, it's like, you know, yeah, you can go right ahead. You could pick the best um, Prosh deck, or you can go right ahead and pick the best uh, uh, Bobo Enraged, or you can grab up the best Karn deck. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that deck is going to fit you. And even if it does fit you, it doesn't mean that deck's going to work in your meta. I mean, if you have, if you go pick the best Karn deck and you're in a meta that has no artifact destruction at all, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Why? Because no one's trying to do anything to any of your stuff. But if you're in a meta where, you know, everybody's got ways of just shattering and crushing every artifact that ever sees the board, because it's an artifact heavy meta, uh, uh, artifact heavy meta, and everybody just is constantly just blowing up all the artifacts and destroying all the soul rings, and no one wants to see any type of cubes of any kind. Then your Karn deck is going to suffer, <laughs> and bad too, real bad. Mm. That's when you mm. just play. Uh, you don't play Karn. <laughs> you learn. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, that was a failed attempt. Let's go find a net deck that has less artifacts in it. You you grab your you grab your deck, you stand up from the table, you walk over to the counter and you trade it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't think there's really anything else we need to say. Like MTG Salvation is another good good tool. You can go ahead they have a uh, a commander database for, uh forum where you can literally go down, look at the color combination, look up the commanders, and you see all the different decks that get posted. But at the same time, some of those weren't updated within a certain Amount of recent within a long time. Yeah, my Kalia Primer is kind of one of those by now, unfortunately. Uh, Tap Tap is pretty good for that though. I actually kind of like just actually don't. Yeah, we have our profiles hooked up on the Commander Cast web page, so that every time we have our Tap Out account updated with a new deck, you can go ahead, click on there, follow us, subscribe there. You, You can actually subscribe to people and see what decks they pump out, which is really cool. Yay, people. And decks of which they pump out. Alright, so the second part of this conversation I'm going to go for is, so who do you normally ask for help when you, when you deck build? So obviously I trick you guys into, into entourages to build my decks for me. But what about you, you guys? jerk. Like, we don't all have an army of to build our decks for us. Yeah, at least William's honest about it. 
<laughs> well, I guess when I have to bounce ideas off people, um, I usually go to my roommate, Andrew, or I message Hayes or our giant group chat from when we were hanging out at the store over the summer. Um, but generally, I guess, generally I'm the person people come to when they need help building a deck. Um, I don't usually end up asking other people for help unless there's like a very specific thing that I'm thinking of that I can't remember the name of it. But maybe it's just because I've been a judge for a couple of years, but I know a lot of cards and I know how the cards work together well. Clay, the lone wolf. You don't need no pack. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Well, typically, like, if I'm in the process of building a deck, either A, seeing as how I do have a podcast and I'm here with these gentlemen, I'll run an idea past them. Kind of like what I did earlier. I'm talking about the red-white reanimator deck. And potentially, you know, bring it on, make a discussion, bring it to you guys. But for the listening audience, you don't have podcasts or who don't have podcasts, Typically, what I would do if I didn't have the group here, I would bring it up to my play group for the most part. Pretty much in my group, there's me and three other guys. There's my brother, there's Matt, and there's Andrew. And typically, what I'll do is I'll go to my brother, I'll bounce off an idea for a deck to him. And, you know, me and him then kind of just determine how the deck idea in and of itself would be received in our group. Because we already kind of know how he would, I already know what kind of deck he doesn't like. He already knows what kind of decks I don't like, and the two of us basically know what Matt and Andrew play or don't enjoy. And because, you know, the four of us all kind of know what we play and who plays what and how they play certain styles of decks, we already know, like, if you bring in this commander trying to do this, Matt will kill you. If you bring in this particular style of deck, it's going to annoy the piss out of Dennis, and Dennis will kill you. If you try to do this, it's going to be something that's going to ag- aggravate Calvin or Andrew. So we are kind of already already have like a set parameter for what we know can and cannot fly. And if it did fly, who in the group would be able to play it? Like, say, for instance, like um, Matt basically can play pretty much any control deck and all of us would enjoy it because Matt is the kind of player who, while building his control decks, can be extremely powerful and can be extremely backbreaking. But he plays them in a way that's actually fun and enjoyable for the group. It becomes kind of a challenge for us to try to take down his version of a control deck, whereas Dennis's version of a control deck is extremely backbreaking and can potentially be no fun, and then everybody just kind of explores, Dennis, you might want to put that aside. Not saying that we don't want to play in control, it's just not to that extent, and we then just kind of keep each other in check in those kind of ways. So typically, if there's a particular deck I'm going to build or a particular thing I'm trying to slap together, I'll bring it up to Dennis, bounce it off to him, and then I'll bring it up to him and Matt, because those are the two I normally get a chance to play around with. And the three of us sit down, go through the deck, and then kind of question whether or not certain cards belong in there or not, until inevitably the three of us kind of construct my deck, if it isn't something I just slapped together myself and played on my own, and then just brought to the group. All right. Uh, like you, Calvin, I uh, also have uh, I have brothers that play Magic, which is, I think, uh, uh, really awesome to have a family member that does something that you love, too. So uh, I usually bounce things off of them, and they bounce things off of me, and we kind of just, like, we make each other. It's like the, you know, uh, iron shaping iron thing or whatever. We, we make each other's decks better, and uh, I, I like, uh, like me and my brother, uh, I live in Las Vegas, and he lives in Portland, and so... There is um we we are able to call each other uh frequently and talk for like an hour or so and we just talk about magic and it's really good. 
All right, then. So, let's go ahead and wrap this up. What, what about you, William? What about me? I already yeah. said that. He already said what he does. He just, he just you know, basically cracks his whip and forces is, us is, to do it. Is there anyone... William apparently has no friends. Do you have actual friends that you can run ideas by, William? No, that's why he started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually more or less true. Like, when we're playing Magic, <laughs> I'm... Now, don't make me uh, feel bad. <laughs> See, when I'm at the shop, I actually have a binder at the card shop that I call William's Spotlight Binder. And it's me sticking cards that I think are cool or fun at EDH that also qualify as, like, secret tech. And people love it. People love to, to flip through it to see if there's anything cool or niche or silly in there that I put there whenever I just go through collections or anything like that. Uh, I already said, like, I've got one friend who ended up building Noyan Dark because he said, I made it look like such a fun deck. Now, he ended up taking it apart because it just wasn't his play style. But this is also the same friend that said, yeah, I usually, I'll look over at what you have on the board just to see what secret tech you have there. Like, there's a couple of people who actually just started listening to the podcast because I never shut up about how I have a podcast. And, <laughs> like, a lot of the, a lot of the tech... Look across the board, look at where, and be like, that's a nice ass in the pilgrim you got there. It'd be a damn shame if something were to happen to it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a lot of the tech I got was just from listening to the old crew, you know, Andy and Carlos, you know, everyone from the old regime. So there isn't any one I actually just run stuff by where it's like, does this thing look a good good idea to you? I also, uh, I also think of, um, like, would, uh, would Uncle Landrops play this in his deck? It's a good model to live by. That's a good model to live by. <laughs> like, if Uncle Landrops wouldn't play it, then yeah. There's yeah. a good chance you're probably going in the wrong direction there, sir. Yeah. Otherwise, you say, would William play this? And then you go in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jank that's, that, that, that's, that's probably the best advice you've ever given anyone, Liz. Um, there, William. I'm <laughs> proud of you. ask if I would play it. And the answer is, if it's Noyandar and you're talking about Darksteel Garrison, the answer is yes. Oh, it's Dark so tad. Garrison. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't actually... Ask, run things by you guys, but at the same time, I still get plenty of stuff from you guys anyway. I have a, I have one thing about uh, Darksteel Garrison. I've been waiting to say this for a long time since you guys started talking about it a couple episodes ago. Is yeah. uh, so I in my Heartless Hitetsugu deck, I play uh, of course Glacial Chasm, and that's like uh, it's it's my it's one of my win cons, right? So when you tap a Darksteel Garrison on that, oh, it feels really good, man. Feels really good. <laughs> All right then. So, next up, we're going to go into our strategy segment, and we're going to do some deck tech garaging here to help Jacob's brother with his blue-black board-themed deck. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. So, this is supposed to be like the board from Star Trek, correct? Yeah. That's kind of like the concept for the theme for this is? Assimilation. I'm going to steal your shit. I still need to watch Voyager. You haven't seen Voyager? I've barely seen, I haven't seen Voyager, I haven't seen Deep Space Nine, and oh, I've man. only seen a handful of episodes from Next Generation. Oh, man. The- so, we have a bit of a deck tech garage kind of thing here. Jacob wanted us to help his brother with his board theme deck. So, Jacob, go ahead and tell us kind of what we're trying to do here. 
Well, see, uh, my brother, uh, got this idea of, um, because we're both Star, Star Trek guys, uh, that we both love the Borg and they're like one of the craziest villains, I think, in all of like sci-fi that they're just, they're adaptive. They, um, they steal things. They, they take control. And he wanted to take that, um, and make a, uh, magic deck as we do. Uh, I mean, I've been guilty of making like Narnia decks and stuff like that. So, uh, he, he got this idea, and uh, so he started with um, the commander. Uh, I don't know how to say her name, but Mariki D. Bray, Bray the Esper. Uh, Mariki Ribery. Yeah, she she taps and takes control. Uh, uh, um, she takes your shit, uh, man. Yeah, she she takes it and just taps it down and lets you not play it. And uh, this the deck that he originally made, we played with it, and it's it's really slow. I mean. Uh, and it, like, the, the, the theme is, the theme is good, but he just wanted to, to keep the theme kind of and, uh, um, make it a little faster and, uh, and that's what we're looking to do here. Not, yeah. Alright. <laughs> so we're looking for a board themed deck and we have, in fact, uh, Jacob's gonna make sure that the link to said deck is in the show notes, right, Jacob? Yes, sir. Alright. So I'm looking through this and I'm thinking, okay, let's go ahead and back up from the deck real quick. And let's go ahead and just kind of exposit on what makes the Borg the Borg. The first thing that we, the first thing that you think of is, again, assimilation. Like, this is a race that's literally made of every race. If it's new, it's something they don't have, they bring it into theirs, they integrate it, and it just becomes them. You know, they're very, remember, these are the kind of things that kind of pseudo-inspire the Phyrexians. So, we have that going for them. They're heavily, Artifact based. They're very machine based. You know, it's all a part of. I don't want to say the the um, not the matrix, but a matrix. It's a very complicated uh, system of ner- nerves here. I've very complicated system of nerds. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yes, yes, you're not wrong. That's and that, and that, and that. Yes. So we're looking for something that's going to be very assimilating. Very artifact heavy, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, if you if you look in the uh, the original list, uh, the one that's Esper colored, you notice like uh, like cards like Doubling Cube mm-hmm. is not necessarily a um, a great. I mean, it does help out, but the the main reason why it's in the deck is because it actually looks like a board cube. Same thing with Mana Vault, like <laughs> those things. I mean, it, it can't be a. You have to have your your ships, and so that that's one thing that's in there. I mean, Mana Vault, of course, is a very good card, but um, Dublin Cube is, isn't as good, but the reason why it's in there is like it's a cube shape. Yeah. So the first thing I'm noticing in here is that there's a lot of clone effects. Like, and, and I get, in a sense that makes sense, I guess, because whatever your opponent's playing, you're adapting to and playing your stuff. But I don't think that's quite the best way to, to go about it. Now, have you, here's a thought. You said that the original commander was Mercury Rebarrett. And that's fine. Like, I think my control effects are about the right way to go about with this, you know, assimilation wise. But, what about send triplets? Send triplets to, is the 3-3 legendary artifact creature human wizard trio for two white, blue, black. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. This turn, that player can't cast spells or activate abilities and plays with his or her hand revealed. You may play cards from that player's hand this turn. Now to me, this actually works better for the Borg than like Slumgar or Mariki, just because it has the aspect of the Borg where they're analyzing these new specimens. Like that, that's a, that's all they see outside forces as. There's the Borg and there's not Borg. So anything that's not Borg, 
they have to analyze and see if there's anything useful that they can assimilate and bring into them to help improve their own model. I like that. All right. I, uh, one thing that I was trying to do also with the deck is um, uh, stay to a. I wanted to deck talk, to, uh, like do, fix his deck for uh, 50 bucks, too. I, I forgot to tell that, but I forgot okay. to say that in the Okay, beginning. so we're working with a budget here. Yeah, so like, a fit, and sin triplets, like, is, you know, $15 or whatever, $13. It, 13, it, 15, but at the same time, I think there's enough budget stuff in those three colors that we can fill out the deck just fine. That's, especially that's even better. Especially if we're working this as a base. Like, there's already a prey grasp, which I love in decks like this. Uh, yeah. Stolen Identity is just a very, very silly card. Uh, Clay, Calvin, you guys want to go ahead and weigh in on this? Uh, well, one of the things I was thinking of me personally, seeing as how we're talking about the board, I was thinking about potentially including liquid metal coating and taking the Memnarch out of the sideboard and putting it into the deck so we could then turn stuff that's not artifacts into artifacts and then assimilate them from there by taking control of them. So the the main reason why Memnarch is on the sideboard or whatever is because uh like uh he he is going to put both the both Vesuva and Memnarch in the deck. It just I like cause he already has those, but uh, like for the budget He's trying to find a place to put it. Yeah, well, well, for the for the budget aspects, it, like those are more expensive than the fifty dollars would allow with all the other stuff. So uh, that was the main reason why they're on the maybe board. It's like they're definitely going to be in the deck. Like, like I was gonna give a suggestion. Like, if you had, if you wanted to make this deck and you actually had more money to spend, those two cards would be very good for it. Ooh, that's interesting though. Magus of the Unseen. It's a card from from Ice Age and Fifth Edition. A one-one human wizard for two. It says one Naboo tap, untap target artifact and opponent controls and gain control of it until end of turn. It gains haste until end of turn. When you lose control of the artifact, tap it. So that actually works very well with the liquid metal coating. Because remember, the other thing the board do with their assimilation is they convert people into cyborgs. Yes. And they take control of them and they gain haste. Ooh, I like that quite a bit actually. And it's repeatable. And then you've got Master Thief, which was from M12. For two blue blue, you get a two two human rogue that says when he enters battlefield, gain control of target artifact for as long as you control Master Thief. He was in he was in the original uh the original deck, I think. It also has a Dead Eye Navigator in it, which is uh, uh the reason why he's in there is to like uh not abuse him like normal people do. Because if you notice there's not really any way to abuse him, it's but it's to continually adapt so you could bounce out things to change what they are. You know, like uh so you have your Phyrexian Metaborph. He's a he's a a Thran Dynamo. You want him to be something else? You pop him out. You bring him back in. He's something else. All right, um, I like that quite a bit actually. And like uh, th- that's why there's so many clones in there. So it's this continually uh, evolving, like the like the Borg do to um, combat whatever situation they're in. Like if you all of a sudden pop out a bunch of dragons, I could do that too. You know? Okay. Let's see. If we're going along that lines, I would say we would want a couple more blink effects in the deck to help with that. Like there's that, that would... oh, like Conjurer's Closet is the easy one oh, yeah. to think of. Yeah. But like there's an ah uh, let's see what was it? There was a one in Amazon restored for two and a blue instant. You can flicker. Oh uh, blink uh blink. You can do it for a creature for two separate targets. They can be creatures lands. Flicker? Yeah, it goes with flicker. Yeah. And does it for artifacts and lands too. No, uh, you could put in a copy of uh mimic bat. The mimic bat could then be able to adapt by making copies of the other stuff. And if you get a clone inside the mimic bat, you can just keep tossing the clone out and it'll come into the battlefield as a copy of something else. Yeah, Mimic Vat is in the deck, definitely. Ah, uh, that's right. It's already in there. 
Or yeah. are you saying it's already no, in there? It, mm. it, yeah, it's already in there. And like, uh, like normal cards that you would think of, like Rider Blep Replication or, uh, um, Vesuvian Shapeshifter, those kind of mm. stuff. Also, uh, um, another cool one that has been fun to play with is Sakashima's student. Uh, <laughs> That thing is just that is just a fun card. That ninjutsu, just go out there, change it, bring it back. It's all it's fun. Yeah. Um. I guess. Um. Some like theme things that I think would be really cool in this stack. Um. Helm of Obedience and Thought Dissector. Um. Especially Thought Dissector, actually, because the board are all about um assimilating technologies that they find interesting and incorporating them into themselves. Mm-hmm. Um. Thought Dissector and um. Helm of Obedience do basically the same thing, except they're slightly different. Um, I'm going to check something. Okay, so they both cost four to play, and they almost say the same thing. But Thought Dissector in particular, um, and has an activated ability, X, tap. Target opponent reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact card or X cards are revealed, whichever comes first. If an artifact card is revealed this way, put that card on into the ba- onto the battlefield under your control and sacrifice Thought Dissector. Put the rest of the revealed cards into that player's graveyard. So it basically says, I'm going to dig for your next artifact, and I'm going to take it. Much in the same way that the Borg would take your ship and take anything new that they haven't seen yet and work it into themselves. Um, Helm of Obedience does basically the same thing, but it hits creatures instead. And it has a slightly different clause that lets it go infinite with a couple of cards, but we're not going to talk about that right now because that's not on theme. Hmm. Also, a notable uh, a notable card that uh, will eventually get in the deck as like progresses is a, a choir. That's oh, yeah. a very uh, very bored. Bribery for artifacts. Yeah. Also, uh, another um, like with the lands. Um, Thespian Stage is a really good card because it's like a clone for lands. You have, you have a land, I have a land too. Or if I want to double another, uh, another one of my lands, also Vesuva. And, uh, if you could bounce Vesuva, it would be really cool. Uh, I guess I could put a, um, one of the, the, uh, Karoo lands, the, uh, Demir Aqueduct, maybe. Let's see. Okay, I think I finally got this page to fucking show up now. Uh, yeah, little be notes to you and whoever. The entire time we were doing this, my Google Chrome just kept crashing on me. So I'd bring the page oh. up, I'd get a quick mm-hmm. glance at the deck, and it would crash on me. Then I'd bring the page up, and I'd get a quick glance at the deck, and it would crash on me. <laughs> now it appears to actually finally be up, so I can actually finally be able to go over the deck and make, and not mention cards like Mimic Vet that are already in it. Um, oh, another one that I thought of. Um, Geth, Lord of the Vault, on the theme of stealing stuff from your opponents. Yeah. Um, he is more on the steely side than the cloney side. Um, let's see. What exactly is it? Uh, is somebody wrinkling paper? Uh, yeah, it's in the background on my side. Um, anyways, he's a 5-5 legendary zombie for four black-black. Um, he has Intimidate. And X black, put target artifact or creature card with converted mana cost X from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control tapped. Then that player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So we've already blown up your ship, but we're still going to take your technology. Yeah. All right. So let's get a little off theme here. And let's start. Off color? 
No, not off color. Off, off theme. And let's start talking a little, some nuts and bolts. Like, okay, the Dublin Cube, it looks like a board ship. And that's actually <laughs> kind of, and that's actually kind of sweet. Otherwise, though, I would have been, <clears throat> I would have just said, this card probably isn't going to do as much for you as you would actually want it to do, unfortunately. Oh, definitely. And I, and I've. But it looks like, like a board ship, so it's staying. Well, definitely. We, we could switch it out for the one other cube that exists in Magic. Hmm. What's one is that? Cube. Um, Delief's cube costs one. It's an artifact. Tap or two tap. This turn, when target creature you control attacks and isn't blocked, it assigns no combat damage this turn, and you put a cube counter on Delif's cube. Two, hmm. remove a cube counter from Delif's cube, regenerate target creature. Ooh. So you have to be attacking, and you have to know that your dude isn't going to be blocked because you have to use it before your attacks are declared. But like, if you have an unblockable dude. Or if you have an opponent that, you know, doesn't have creatures. Or if you've cloned an opponent's creature that can't be blocked and you don't care about dealing damage, you can build a little safety net for if someone wants to wrath the board. I like that. Ooh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, because okay. I've, I've actually talked about cutting Dublin Cube because it's, <laughs> it's like one of those cards that like everyone like tries, you know, to make it work and it never yeah. does. Like you already had to be making them see amount of mana for it. Yeah, exactly. so, 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 or be playing Omnath or Crufix. Right. So, like, on the artifact side of that, of this, it's actually not that bad. We could probably do a little better just for Mana Rocks. Like, I typically like including, uh... Yeah, like a Signet or two? Uh, a Signet, I, I actually, well, let's see, there's the Commander Sphere, for one, which I think is just, like, one of the better ones. You know, you have Darksteel, Ingot, stuff like that. Just stapley Mana Rocks to help you catch your stuff on time. Yeah. Uh, if you're swapping off to send triplets at all, then the three cost rocks do help you just get to her on turn four. The obelisks and stuff. Obelisks. Uh, clue stones aren't the worst because you can crack them for draw cards later. Uh, but let's talk about your removal suite. I see one instant speed kill spell, and that's go for the throat. Okay. Now I'm not gonna say you're doing it wrong, but you are gonna have some problems dealing with creatures that need to be dealt with immediately, like, say, a Prophet of Corifix. So the, uh, the, the, the way that we've decided to, um, I mean, we also have, uh, now this is, a, of course, Christmas, Christmas land, of course, but, uh, it's like, if, if we can, um, acquire your person, then we could, uh, eliminate it through sack outlets. I mean, yes, but... And, and I know that, and I know that's, like, very Christmas landy, but uh, it's it's it, it's, not, it's not even Christmas landy because like yeah, that's a possibility, but at the same time, it's clunky and not really efficient. Remember, the Borg are about efficiency. Yeah. They are just yeah. straight, they are just straight up. We're not dealing with this shit. This is inefficient. We're gonna strip this off and we're gonna put in some all of this awesome stuff because this is actually what's working. This is fast. This is efficient. No nonsense. And so what you're missing is a lot of interaction with your opponents at instant speed. So, like, you've got, like, two or three counterspells, you got some other stuff, but what you're really lacking is the way t- to just interact with what your opponents are doing. Like, you'll be playing Esper, so you have interact, so you have the ability to play, like, Artifact and Enchantment Destruction. Fate Forgotten is a common from Dragons of Tarkir that literally every white deck should be playing, no excuses, because it exiles at instant speed for three mana. And that is incredibly good and powerful, and makes sure that that Whatever artifact that was causing you a problem, maybe it was a trading post, maybe it's something like a Darksteel Forge, whatever it is, just stays gone. 
Like, there's literally no excuse not to run in white decks anymore. I think uh, I, that would work if we're doing the Sin Triplets thing and that paradigm, but if, like, we are going to the Solemgar, uh where we cut white, which was the original idea, then it's hard to do that. And granted, that is a thing. But you're still playing blue-black, and you still have some ways to, to deal with your bones. Like, oh, like, a Slumgar's Command isn't that hard to get a hold of. They're actually rather cheap right now. Uh, Aether Spouts, Cyclonic Rift, those are easy cards to get a hold of. And they're staples and overplayed for a reason, because they're actually just good in the sense that they help you interact with other people's boards. Like, you don't even I have agree. to overload the Cyclonic Rift. Just having the two men available to get a timely bounce in helps a lot. Yeah, I that was a notable uh, uh, omission on my part was not putting Cyclonic Rift in. I I should have. It should have been one of the first cards in the deck. Like uh, Heroes Downfall, three mana for instant speed kill target planeswalker. And that's also on theme too. It is. Oh yeah. There's worst fears. You could play worst fears and just take control of them for a turn. Let's see, Aetherize. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Let's see. I like running Psychic Strike. Should be called, I'm actually just going through my Rexio deck right now. <laughs> Thada Adele. Where is Thada Adele? Oh, Thada. Yeah, that, that's, an, uh, that's an omission, too. I like, love Thada Adele. Thada Adele is literally just one of my pseudo-commanders. Like, I stick her in... I can only have four copies, but I stick them in any deck that's going to give her a chance to, to put, just punch through and steal Soul Rings. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can put in blue and black to give you interaction with other people. You can play blue bouncing stuff like uh, Into the Royal to, bou- to bounce. There's Encrust if, to keep the artifacts tapped down so you can just keep cloning it. <sighs> uh, let's see, there, there is a Mystical Bindings, which is a f- enchantment, which is an aura with Flash, that when it comes into play, you tap target creature and it doesn't untap on its controller's turn. Like, it's not, like, you're playing black so you can just kill it. But sometimes you're playing against commanders that you don't want to kill, like Prosh or Morath. So the best you can do is actually just tap them down. Uh, let's see, Lex. Sorry, let's see. So you lose some interaction with enchantments. Artifacts are still good, though, because you can steal those. Uh, Calvin, Clay, what other thoughts do you guys have? In terms of what? Uh-huh. In terms of, like, just robust, robusting the deck and making sure that it's playable and interactive. Yeah, I think just more... Ways to interact with the board, more removal, maybe a few counter spells, maybe like if you want to stay on theme, you could play like Spelljack, that sort of thing. Um, and maybe, let's see, you have Ponder and you have Preordain and you have Brainstorm, but maybe just a few more card draw spells, just a little bit more card advantage than what you have going on here. Actually, I would say you could act, probably cut most of those. And put in like one or two consistent mm-hmm. or uh, recurrable effects. Like I got, mm. I I put Scryfish in mine because I like just being able <laughs> to scry every turn. Uh yeah. I get. I guess we just get to a point where. <clears throat> I guess we just get to a point where uh, we have to decide like how much how much do we want to stray from the theme and uh, like. I, for me, uh, you know, it's really a personal decision at that point. If you find that the deck works fine as it is for you. Then by all means go ahead and play it as it is. My experiences with just like the clone dot deck deck is that it becomes so dependent on what your opponents are doing that there's little to no actual game plan that you can do. So when your opponents don't do anything, then you sit around doing nothing and you just stare at each other and you're playing Tiddlers. Yeah. Well and that's and that kinda goes with the the Borg as well. Like if there's nothing in the galaxy, then the Borg are nothing. 
I mean, but they're also, but we're not <laughs> de- we're not dealing with brains here. This isn't no, we're going to right. <laughs> this isn't we're going to scan everything in the universe, then scan it ourselves, and then blow up everything in the universe so that no more information comes in. All right, so Calvin. The only the only thing I can even think of at the moment is like because thing is how this like to me it's basically like a clone based deck. We're copying a lot of stuff. Uh, we already have mind control effects in there. The mana base is tight. You basically should be able to cast anything you want. The only things I can even think of that like and this is just me just going side tangenty is I would like potentially think about splashing a third color in there. And while I understand he's gone with the Esper color, I personally was thinking either green or red, because green would then allow us to include cards like the Mimeoplasm, which mm-hmm. could then come in and make copies of stuff and then take stuff that has been t- done away with. And then we can kind of use uh Golgari cards in there as well and use them kind of like as recycling, because then, you know, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be the board taking something that's been used, finding a new use for it. But if we included red into the deck, then we could have more stealing effects, more like temporary control effects that take our opponent's stuff away from them and use it against them. And then, you know, once they're dead, we no longer need it. So we can just go right ahead and scrap it with our, with the sacrifice effect that's already in the deck or take it temporarily and then blink it with the, um, uh, damn it. What's his name? The, the, the thing, uh, uh, the blue creature, uh, the, with, so with, with the, Sobon, he's in the deck. Jedi Navigator. There we go. Because then we could just take their creatures and like use Jedi Navigator, just like blink their stuff out, and then just keep it. And we could play. Know. And we could play Nicole Bolas, Planeswalker. Yeah. Because yeah. like it just seems like you know like it's a good concept. And with it being blue and black, I feel as though yes, you do get the board effect for it that you're looking for as far as the theme is concerned. But you're not getting much of this deck isn't really taking much outside of the few mind control effects that are already in the enchantment. And I feel like we could be taking more and then using it. I mean, we're already copying their things, but it'd be good to copy their things and take their things. But remember, good artists copy, great artists steal. And you could play uh, Rise of the Dark Realms and Insurrection in a Grixis deck. <laughs> Take all of things. But I like my thing. All right, so Jacob, was there anything else you wanted to ask about with this deck? Uh, no, I, 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 I want to thank you guys for your input, and uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens, and we'll let you know what goes on. <laughs> All right then. Oh, good lord! Next up, it's actually kind of a Halloween week right now, so I thought we'd do something a little special this time. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. So when you're talking about a thousand dollars of magic cards, you're talking about one sixth of an underground sea. Either that, or it's like your, your boss, is like, yeah, I bought a thousand dollars worth of magic cards. William's going to get to the shop, and it's going to be a single black lotus, <laughs> a crumpled up black lotus for a thousand. It'll actually just be like one third of a black lotus. Like yeah. they actually cut just cut in thirds and sold the other pieces around town. Like which part and do it, I have? Which part do I have? And it's still on fire. And it's still on fire. God damn it. So, let's go ahead and talk about spiders. Like, what? What? Spiders. What? Okay. So, today on... So, today's technology segment... 
there are, there are few things in Halloween traditional lore that really spook me or scare me. Like, a good zombie movie will terrify the living poop out of me, but at the same time, nothing really quite compares with our little and sometimes not so little eight-legged friends, the spider people, who will try and kill us all. Eight-legged freaks. <sighs> Why? Okay, so I found out that one of my friends had accidentally been using my Netflix account, and that's why a bunch of spider movies had appeared on my <laughs> Watch It Again segment for Netflix. Something about that doesn't sound like an accident to me. Arachnophobia. <laughs> yeah, spider. So what we're going to do, instead of doing the normal thing where we would list off, like, several spiders to talk about, because we're just going to... We're just going to go with a spider from each of us. And Clay's got, like, two or three of them. I have two. Why? Because one of them is actually really... Both of them are actually really cool. Because spider. All right. So, uh, we're just going to go th- through this. So, spiders and magic cards are actually something that I can uh, kind of hold up. I can kind of deal with as long as I don't think about it too much. Like, my arachnophobia used to be so bad, I couldn't touch a spider picture in, like, a side sex book without flinching or freaking out. Like, I'd be there in class reading my little science textbook, flip over to the next page, oh, dear God! Oh, okay, it's fine, it's just a picture in a book. Okay, we can do this. Okay, and now, oh, she's just another one. So, but magic cards, magic cards I can handle. So, my spider is going to be next Weaver. For one black green, is a 2-3 from Journey into Next, Enchantment Creature Spider. And this one actually looks kind of cute, because she has, like, a heart on her abdomen. So, spiders have reach. That's just the thing that spiders do. They're, but this one's a... So, this one's a 2-3. It has, at the beginning of your upkeep, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then, you can pay one black green and exile next weaver to regrowth something. You know, just get anything from your deck, uh, from anything from your graveyard and put it oh, back man, in your from hand. your deck? I mean, that's kind of what it's doing. Like, it's feeding your deck into your graveyard, so it might as well, right? Yeah. So, this thing's an all-star in Sadissi. Oh, yeah. Like, you get a chance at a zombie and you can regrow something? Oh, yeah. Like, it sees great playing Carador, too. Oh, yeah. Dredge Spider. Basically. All right. So, Jacob, tell us about your spider while I go into the next room. Well, my spider is Silk Lash Spider. Three colorless, two green for a 2-7 spider with reach. It also has this ability, which is a very strong thing. You pay X and two green. Silk Lash Spider deals X damage to each creature with flying. Because people that play with flying creatures uh, sometimes just need to die when you're sitting there. And another good thing about it is uh, it's a 2-7, so it can pluck just about anything in magic. Including Kalia. Um, yes. It can spend four mana. To kill Kalia. And uh, most of the dragons out there, and most of, like, every titan there is. And Kalia. <laughs> and Kalia. Someone sounds like they're a little bit, uh, resentful. There, there have been so many t- like, if you think my arachnophobia is bad, Kalia's is worse. Like, they dropped the silk glass spider, and it's like, okay, we just can't go anywhere near that thing. At all. Like, talk about a rattlesnake. Like, like, no, 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 not a snake, it's a spider. It's a fucking spider, and we need to kill it with fire, except it's we can't, spider. because it's, it's, it's got us boxed out from the post. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta straight, like, do some earthquake effects to get this guy dead. Just, <laughs> On the subject of spiders that kill flyers, um, I found this thing called Spitting Spider, costs three green green, 
It's a creature, spider. It's 3-5 with reach. Sacrifice a land. Spitting spider deals one damage to each creature with flying. So it's kind of a weird budget Silk Lash that really likes Titania. Yeah. Like, a lot. Silk Lash was already budget. You're playing this one because you want to fuck over Kalia and get Titania going. Yeah. That's literally why you're playing this spider. <laughs> or you might just have Dredge Lance shenanigan. Uh, Calvin. Okay, so seeing as how we're moving on to me, uh, the spider that I'm going to end up discussing first and foremost will end up being Blight Widow. So Blight Widow is three colors. It's three colors green, converted mana cost of four. It's a two-four spider. It has reach, just like most spiders have, and it has one of the key mechanics, which was infect. And for any of you out there who don't know what infect is, Basically, it meant that if a creature dealt damage to another creature, instead of, like, dealing damage, it did it in the form of, like, minus one, minus one counters. So this creature would hit a creature and put two minus one, minus one counters on it, basically effectively killing two twos and turning three threes into one ones. But if it hit a player, it would put a poison counter on them. And when a player gets ten poison counter or ten or more poison counters on them, they basically lose the game. They, now, they while granted, basically, they just... Yep, they, they just lose. Well, you know, unless they happen to have, like, Platinum Angel or some weird, like, side shenanigans or some shit, but, Fair. you know, there's, there's corner cases for everything. You can, you can cast Leech, bring your life to, and bring your poison counters down to save yourself, I guess. Not sure if you can do it in response to after you've gotten 10, but, you know, we need judges for that, and I'm not one. So basically the reason I'm bringing up Blight Widow is because, you know, Infect is one of those uh, mechanics that basically most people don't like seeing in large quantities. Pretty much if you think of Skitherix or Skittles the Blight Dragon, most people would see that thing and they instantly just want to kill you because no one wants to die to Infect. But I find that Infect on occasions with certain creatures is acceptable due to the simple fact that, you know, it's not like the key mechanic in your deck, but it can be something that can be useful to make your 2-4 spider that much scarier. So, uh, William, it also, do you have it also, um, it, uh, it also, uh, the thing, the good thing about that spider is when it blocks something, that thing will get smaller and smaller over time because it deals, uh, its damage in, um, minus one, minus one counters. So yeah. it can, like, it'll scale down the other creature that it blocks. Yeah, so if you give it, like, indestructibility with, like, a dark steel plate or something, it will inevitably kill whatever it's continuously fighting. Yeah. As long as that thing is fighting isn't, like, I don't know, like, an Eldrazi that's going to make it sacrifice itself or something. Yeah. So, uh, I guess... Shut up, Navi. I will say my second one, then. Navi doesn't like spiders, either. <laughs> so, um, what, William got your, like, what, you just plugged your ears or something? You did not listen to us at all. Um, my second one, now that we've talked about getting rid of stuff in the air, we're going to talk about getting rid of stuff on the ground. Um, giant Trapdoor Spider, originally printed in Ice Age, and most recently in the Cold Snap theme decks, is a 2-3 for one, a red, and a green. It does not have reach. However, it does have one red-green tap. Exile Trapdoor Spider and target creature without flying that's attacking you. So if you want to talk about a rattlesnake, red and green aren't supposed to be able to exile things. Exiling attacking creatures is definitely a white mechanic. Giant trapdoor spider don't care. He's just going to take you, and he's going to eat you. Nom, 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 nom. Never coming back. Nope. Just, just, uh, just, spider. Spider. You're the one that made this segment. Spider! It was your idea. Why? Why didn't you stop me? I tried, but you wouldn't listen. 
Spiders. Okay, so uh, th- th- there's one more spider. It's a spider in the room, an elephant spider in the room. Calvin, Calvin. I, actually, I've got several more spiders that I would like to bring up. You get one. Now I'm bringing them up. No. There's Dragon Layer Spider. Basically, Dragon Layer Layer Spider is. Let me find it here. Click, 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 click. A, C, B. There we are. D. It's two colors, double red and a green. So it's six converted mana cost, and it's a five-six spider with reach. And whenever an opponent casts a spell, you get to put a one-one green insect creature token onto the battlefield. Now, while granted it says one-one green insect token, I personally think this card would have been much better if it gave you like a one-two spider with reach. But you know what? Hey, not not every card is perfect. But you know, you're playing EDH. Your opponent plays a bunch of stuff. So you know, you got three opponents, so it gives you that many more chances to get a nice warm spidery body down onto the ground. Let's see here. Uh, Clay, do you have a second spider you want to talk about? I don't have a third one. Okay. So I, ha- I have a I have a I have a card right right quick. It's not exactly a spider, but it makes a thousand spiders, and that's spider spawning. Uh, Yay. But the Innistrad draft's not till next week. All right. Spider spawning is a sorcery for four colorless and one green. And it says put a one-two sp- green spider token onto the with reach onto the battlefield for each creature card in your graveyard. With And it also has flashback for six, color, six colors and a black. So if you are playing like a Sidisi deck or uh, any deck that wants cards in your graveyard, go ahead and play spider spawning and make many, many little spiders. <laughs> no, don't. Don't make little spiders. Just don't. All right. So let's see here. I'm going to bring up another spider here, and I'm going to bring up, uh, what's this, a Rackness Spinner? It's five colorless and a green. It's a spider. It's a five seven, and it has reach. It's from, what was it, one of the core sets, M12. And it has a little bit of extra text added onto it. It says, tap and untap spider you control. Search your graveyard and or library for a card named Arachnus Web and put it onto the battlefield attached to target creature. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. And Arachnus Web is an enchantment. And it costs two colorless and a green. And it's an aura. It's an enchant creature aura. And when it comes into the battlefield, enchanted creature can't attack or block. And its activated abilities can't be activated. At the beginning of the end step, if enchanted creature's power is four or greater, destroy Arachnus Web. Basically, it ties up a creature. If the creature happens to be big enough or physically strong enough because it's its power, it can break itself free out of the spider web. But if it's not strong enough or if it's weak, it basically stays locked up and wrapped away, waiting for the spider to come eat on its juicy innards. And then you just use Bovenite to put the web back on the bottom of your deck if they can break through it. And you do it again. You, you, don't need to, you don't need to do that because the Arachnus Spinner can take it right out your graveyard and slap it right back on the creature any damn way. Wait, it can? Oh, dear God, it can! Oh, dear God, it can! I didn't even realize you could grab it from the graveyard. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> so all you need is the Spinner and one copy of the web, which makes it perfectly fine in EDH. That Spinner can just keep wrapping that creature up. And since the Spinner itself is a spider, it can be untapped. You can just tap itself, and it can then spin something up. At the end of turn. Yep. And then you can just swing for five, freely, as you see fit. Oh, many spiders. I kind of actually want to go through more spiders. There's not that many. No. We can talk about giant spider. No, we're done. We can talk about, we can talk about daily. <laughs> All right, so that's been our time. That's been a list of spider cards. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to go ahead and take this to our outro.
we never a even spider? got a chance to talk about giant spider. What's there to talk about? It's a spider. It's giant. It'll, it'll dangle by the web in its dangle in the dangly bits. Basically. Aww. Episode 222. I want to go ahead and pretend I'm going to thank everyone for showing up today. Hopefully you sleep well tonight. Hopefully. What is sleep? So, so, Jacob, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. Yep, and your microphone sounds fantastic. Thank you. Calvin, thank you for being here as always. Hey, you suck. I wanted to talk about more spiders. No! I wanted to talk about for number spider. No! The spider that you kill and it doesn't die because it just gives you another spider. Uh, it's like when you step on a spider and you lift your foot up and it just runs away. And it's still there. And it's still there, moving. Clay, thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah, no problem. So, at this point, we're going to start handing out content information. Jacob, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, uh... Uh, you could get me on Twitter at WCPower9. I'm doing this thing now called uh, If Cards Were Honest. I've been doing that for a while now, and I, like, rewrite the oracle text on a card or change the title or something like that, like, to what they really mean. I've been doing that for a while. Also, you could email me at JDTraver at Yahoo.com. Clay, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and on Gmail as EDHPanda. Uh, my girlfriend Mallory and I occasionally stream on our Twitch account, Pandalpaca. It's down in the show notes. You can also follow us at that same name on Twitter and on Tumblr to get updates on what we're playing and when we go live. Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to reach me, it's simple to do. Just go on the internet, look up the World Wide Web of spiders, and you will find me sitting around basically every little nook and cranny. So if you're looking for me, that's pretty simple to do. All you gotta do is go to Twitter at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up with an email in Gmail at Captain Red Zone at gmail.com. Or you can head over to the Commander Cast Facebook page, manned basically by me, William, Judd, Jack, and I'm pretty sure that all of the Commander Cast crew is actually on the Facebook page. Because most of them, you know, they'd rather like go to Reddit or Tumblr or Twitter. But, you know, you can find us all there, floating around somewhere. We're all over the place, just like that spider in the corner of William's house. Ah! Jesus Christ. That was a hairball, William. It's just a hairball. You forgot the vacuum this week. <laughs> I forgot you... to vacuum my house this month. I swear to God, if... just Okay, I'm going to hand out my content information on the good faith that I'm not going to be bombarded with spider things. This woolly spider, it's like one color is double green, it has reach, and whenever it blocks a creature with flying, it gets plus two defense. So it's like, it gets it gets a fatter butt every time it kills something or blocks something with flying. There's also acid web spider for three colorless and two green, it has reach for a three, what, three five uh, spider. When it comes into play, it destroys a target equipment. So you have yeah. a sword of fire knife, I have a spider. Um, also, there's Ancient Spider for two, a green, and a white. You get a 2-5 with first strike and reach. What, a spider in white? Yeah, Ancient uh, yeah. Spider. And what was it? There's also, what was it, uh, is it Pale Recluse? That's also white. I think it yeah. is. It's, uh, it, that's the one that searches out uh, forest and plains. That's like forest cycling. You can discard it and look for land. But it also has reaches for 4-5. For like so my matter. email is um, wiehernandez.gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at BlueRam1409. If you want to follow us here at CommanderCast proper, email us, CommanderCast at gmail.com. The Twitter is at CommanderCast. 
Netcaster spider is two colors and a green. It does the same thing as the, um, what was it, the woolly bear? It just gets plus two attacks. Man by Calvin and Judd. Tweet us, email us, all that good stuff. Leave us a fine star review on iTunes and I'll read it on air. Unless it's about spiders, apparently. So if you think spiders are expensive, there's a two drop spider. One colorless and a green for a canopy spider for a 1 3 with reach, just in case you want to curve out. You go to you go to that, but you don't go to the green doom blade. Deadly There's also say. frostweb spider, which costs uh, two and a green for a one three snow creature spider that has reach, and whenever it blocks a creature with flying, it gets plus okay, one. Okay, no, 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 we are done here. No spiders, no more spiders. Thank you to everyone who contributes to our website. You are not fantastic people, but thank you. Don't forget you. about Gloom uh, Widow. And that's a great robber spider. Heavy Bell series by Spider Man. And we'll see you next week with more technology, technology, and no spiders. Until then, let's get it! What about Jungle Weaver? If you want to play spiders in red, there's a red one too. Needle Peak Spider. Three colors in a red for a 4-2. It can block as though it has flying. <laughs> it's from Planet Chaos, if you were wondering. Yeah, because like, like, it changes its butt for muscles. Yep. And yet, <laughs> now see, and my, more my, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. So, at this point, I'm just taking the bat. There's also Root Spider. He gains first strike until end of turn. Yeah, from Homelands. Whenever you, unless unless people are playing Apocalypse Chime, then you don't want to play this. Oh, wait a second. Wasn't there a spider that got better if you had a red permanent? Yeah, it's God. kind of wait, kind of terrible. Where are you? Where are you you so got first strike. Having to play that magic, the tactics game where you like summon creatures and all that, and then having to do the mission that was literally spiders, spiders spawning squares. And spider eggs. There's also a there's also a card from Visions called Spider Climb. You may choose to play a Spider Climb as an instant. If you do, bury it at the end. You can uh, enchanted creature gets plus zero plus three for your theme deck. No more spiders. And then let's see this uh, rib cage spider. It's a one four reach. It's only three mana. That's not that bad. I mean, the attack isn't that much, but that's a lot of butt for free. And if you have any other creature and you want him to become a spider, you play Spider Umbra. We're done here. Oh! Shut up. Nylon Genesect, oh! Elven, Jelly Beans. And there's the best part is that there is a Spider Angel. Yes, yes, oh. yes. And it's, I would and love it, to see a spider It cries angel. acid. It cries acid. All right, guys. See you next week. Later, Clay. Joe Mallory, I'll Thank you. Hey. Thank Calvin you, says hey. All right, Bye. see you guys. Later, Clay.
right. Now it's time for the Commander Cast anime portion, where me and William and potentially Jake just sit around and talk about anime. All right. So. But up, but up, but up, bump. I'm gonna fill out the dangly bit. All right. So let's see. What if I'm a watch? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, let's see. I've been. Aaron's been hot on my heels, catch up on fairy tales. So I've been pushing to try and make sure I stay ahead there. Really. Yeah, but I've also started watching Concrete Revolutio. Oh, what's this? So it's a brand new one f- from this season. It's on Funimation's website. You take a magical girl, you pair her with a guy who drives a car that turns into a centaur Gundam, okay. team them up with Ultraman and Robocop, and also a ghost that can turn into animals. A ghost that can turn into animals. So when you're saying a ghost that turns into an animal, do I see like a, a ghost cat? Or is it like a ghost that turns into an actual animal? Or a spider. A ghost that turns into whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, when it turns from a... Uh, like, he doesn't... He doesn't ghosts he doesn't, are transparent. I can see through ghosts. Ghosts no. are just kind of, like, you know... This is like, Hey, look, stick my hand through you. And, like, like if it turns into a cat, is it like a ghost cat? Do I see, like, a kitten that I can now stick my hand through? Or does it turn into, like, an actual, like, oh, I can pet you now? It's the first one. Huh. So I think I'd rather just deal with the regular ghost. I mean, actually, you know what? I think that'd be kind of, you know, and that's not that bad of a power. I mean, if I was a ghost and I could turn into anything, could you imagine, like, you see a ghost, but, it, like, you see, like, a an elephant of a ghost. A, a ghost of elephant just comes running through your thing. It's like, oh, my God, massive creatures turns into, like, a ghost rhino, chase you down. I mean, granted, at a certain point, you probably just would continue just eating your breakfast as I would, like, transparently pass through you because I'm just trying to fuck with you because, you know, just to get bored at a certain point. Now, see... Probably more annoyed than anything else. The other thing I've been watching is I've been watching the Log Horizon dub. So, for our anniversary, Ashley got me the Blu-ray disc of Log Horizon, you know, the entire first season, which is awesome, except I don't have a Blu-ray player at my house. Don't you have a... You have a PlayStation 2? Or, not the PlayStation 3? Uh, I don't. You can, I'm pretty sure you can get one for cheap now. It shouldn't be that much. Maybe. But I like the cheap Blu-ray player you can get outside of just, like, one. And then you can still play games on it. Yeah, but see, I, I, don't, th- I think Blu-rays are coming down quite a bit, like, the price of them. Yeah, I don't really play console games, though. Like, I just don't have the time for those. The point being Yeah, that, but I'm saying it'd be a Blu-ray player that if you chose to sit down, you could potentially play a game on it. He's it trying to convert you, William. That's what That's what he's trying to do. Dude, it's not. Nah, I don't have a PlayStation 3. I used to have one, and that thing's gone now. But it's just more of like one of those, like, when I did have it, I spent most of my time watching movies on it. And then occasionally, I'd be like, you know what? I still have that old Final Fantasy game here. Might as well pop that bad boy in, give it a run for a few hours, just to kill time before work. So the point here being that I've been watching Lock Horizon at Ashley's house with her. And I really like what they've done with their localization. Like, there's a, a, a cat man who's got, like, this dual-wielding swashbuckler pirate skill, and he's also just an amazing chef. And but when I was watching the uh, the subtitle version, it was like, yeah, this is a really cool cat man. Like, this is just awesome cat dad. He's, he's, he's like a Johnny, only he can cook. And he's, instead of being, like, a lion, he's actually just kind of cute and fluffy. Still, still tall, though. I bet a Johnny eats his food just straight raw. But, see, in the English dub... They gave him the Goliath treatment. He I mean, has this really sexy man voice. And it's just like, oh, dear Lord, I could actually just fall in love with this guy. It's just from his voice alone. Oh, yeah. And I did not see that coming at all. Neither did she. <laughs> so what have you been watching, Calvin? Uh, 
Currently, I haven't gotten a chance to really watch much anime because I've been watching Walking Dead. I've been keeping up with the latest episodes of The Flash, uh, which I personally think the, these are probably two of the best seasons that I've actually seen of two of my, my favorite shows. The Walking Dead just has, like, action-packed nonstop almost each episode so far. It's only two episodes in, but each one feels like it could have been the finale of an actual season. Hmm. Uh, let's see. As for The Flash, they've actually gotten to the point now where Barry is getting to the moto, multiple dimensions. They've actually fixed one of the rift portals, so now he can potentially go to another alternate universe. He's hanging out with um, the original Golden Age Flash, the one with the suit bucket for a helmet. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. What other shows have I been watching? I've been keeping. I've been watching uh, Empire with my wife. Actually, been, you mentioned Walking Dead. I've actually, uh, because it was October, I actually got an Audible book called X Heroes, and it's basically Walking Dead if the main characters were superheroes. Oh wow! Wait, what was that? So imagine that you have like the beginnings of a superhero book, but then okay. a zombie apocalypse breaks out. Wouldn't that be like a Marvel zombie universe? Kind of, from what I've been seeing. Because, like, there's a couple of superheroes who got turned into zombies, but they're not really intelligent zombies. Like, ah. it's, like it's basically The Walking Dead where it's they have this sport, everyone's holed up in the sport, and the superheroes are the ones who are basically, everyone's relying on to protect them. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we know that the heroes are probably going to be okay from the zombie attack, but all these people, these people won't shut up about how the superheroes are completely invulnerable how they're probably going to abandon fort as soon as this thing happens like there's a guy who can who can fly and breathe fire there's a guy who can like he, he's kind of like a gorgon he can freeze people just by looking at them you've got basically iron man and his hulkbuster except she's a woman and they actually had to take her guns off because they're saving those guns for emergencies and you also get extremely sexy batman who's a woman like she's a former beauty pageant queen who entered those contests only because they gave her a full ride scholarship to any college she wanted. And she's like, she's basically, she's exactly Batman, only a sexy woman. Do the, uh, do the zombies scale to like, or are they just straight up like a uh, run of the mill? Uh, the zombies for the most part are just kind of your generic. They're going to bite right. through. Any- right. Yeah. They're looking to just kill anything. It's a problem when one of the when a couple of the superheroes die and become zombies because they're just stronger than normal zombies, but they're still not that. But they're still not intelligent zombies. Oh, so it's kind of like Left for Dead, where like the zombies have those like tanks and the hybrid versions of them. Yeah, and like it's actually a very short book. I think it's only like eight hours otherwise. Probably not even that long. See, now that I've brought it up, now I'm gonna go have to hook my Xbox up and go play some Left for Dead this week. Oh, just just to let you know, when you look at uh, spiders on like uh, MagicCards.info, just don't mm-hmm. look at them. Don't look at them in German. They just look that much scarier. Oh dear <laughs> lord! Because <laughs> if you look at the word "reach" in German, it's like "watch them smack." It just looks really terrible. I bet. So here's a question for you, gentlemen. I recently came across the. You, have you ever heard of the machete? order for watching Star Wars? Yes, I was actually putting Ashley through that until the, her internet gave out and we couldn't watch the prequels. Gotcha. So you, do you go like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? No, no, that's the regular order. The machete order is you four start and then... 4 and 5, so A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. 
Then you go back and you watch episodes two and three before you go watch Return of the Jedi. Because oh, that's, right. that helps give Darth Vader backstory as Anakin and builds yes. up the final confrontation. That sounds pretty fun. I mean, I've seen probably both of those movies like a hundred times each, so. I think I've come up with what I think would be a good machete order for the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Ooh. Would you like to hear it? Of course. Right. What do you think we're waiting for? Uh, Please so tell number us. One. So, so you start off with the first one, because that's the first time Freddy Krueger's introduced, and, you know, it's quote-unquote the darkest he's ever been in his stories, correct? Yeah. You skip the second one, and then go straight to the third, because the directors and the writers and the characters on the second movie have no ties at all to the first movie. None of the actors came back, none of the directors came back, none of the crew was the same, except for Robert Engel, who's playing Freddy. So you don't really need the second one. But when you go to the third one, third one picks up, with the girl who survived the first movie, the one Freddie was talking, what was her name? Nancy. It picked, the third one picks up with Nancy, but at this point she's like an adult and she's helping, uh, the last of the Elm Street kids from the previous, like, um, from the area that's in the, all like a, a mental institution. So you pick up the story there and now that you've got Nancy, you continue on to four. Or the characters from the third one do return, then they die at the beginning of the movie mostly. But the story in and of itself kind of continues. You skip five. Because in five, that's when Freddy is trying to have a baby. He's trying to like take over like a kid's soul so he can get himself reborn or whatever. And while granted, storyline-wise, it does continue. We don't really need that story right now. Then you go to six. Six is Freddy's dead to find a nightmare. That's the episode. That's the episode. That's the one where Freddy Krueger basically has successfully killed all the kids on Elm Street and in the entire town of Spring Valley or wherever they're at. And he's trying to get out of town so he can go murder other children around the world. And, you know, he ends up dying and getting destroyed from the movie perspective. Right? Yeah. We then move into New Nightmare. This is where Wes Craven, the actress that played Nancy, and Robert Engel all basically have Freddy Krueger trying to kill them in the real world. Pretty much the premise for New Nightmare was is that the reason that the Freddy Krueger stories were created was because there was this demon that was being contained by stories. And the only way to keep it from haunting us in the real world was to put it in this fictional world. That's why the Freddy Not Nightmare on Elm Street movie franchise was being used for. At the end of New Nightmare, Freddy basically is destroyed and he's put back into storybook form. At which case, now you can watch the remake and 5, and 2, in any order that you want, because at this point, Freddy Krueger is now back in the movie theaters, and it doesn't make it doesn't matter if these three movies don't actually follow along the lines of a story anymore. They're just movies that are being created to contain this demon. I have a, I have a, a machete list for start, the Star Trek movies. Ooh, go ahead. You watch the first one, and the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and then you don't watch the fifth one. Hmm. That's it. Yep. You just never watch that one. If, you, <laughs> you like, oh, if, if you've seen it, you, it's it's probably <laughs> it's probably negatively affected your life. So, like, if you can unwatch it, I wish you could, but you can't. But if you haven't watched it, don't. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Or you could just watch the second one five yeah, times. order for Back to the Future. Watch the first one and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> or just watch the watch the first one. And then the first one and then the first one, because they're all like the same, right? They're like, there's like parts of, I think, every single movie except for the third one and all of them. Or the third one has parts of, it's one of those, like the second one has all or some, I don't know. All, all three of them basically have almost the exact same like setup. 
Yeah. Uh, Marty, like, like McFly and Doc, or like, person who's not supposed to be in this time shows up in this time. Typically, it's McFly. McFly ends up getting involved with somebody who is a descendant of the Biff family generation. They end up having some type of fight because of some other McFly in the area. Soon, sooner or later, someone gets dragged through town and has to be chased around the clock tower. Someone ends up getting ran into a pile of manure. McFly gets into his time-traveling thing and then just travels back to either the proper time or to another time that he shouldn't have been in and repeats the process. So if you want to enrich your life and you have, like, roughly 48 minutes to 50 minutes, go to YouTube and write in, uh, let's see, um, Illuminati and uh, and the Back to the Future movie. And they, there's this guy that he goes very into depth on how uh, Back to the Future is a, a lot, Illuminati plot that, it, and it tells all this like conspiracy theory, and it's hilarious. It's like all these predictions and how like the clock represents the god Kronos and all this, all this, this and that. Uh, it's, so if you just so now I've got to go do that with the rest of my evening. Yes. Thanks a lot. Like, <laughs> nah, it, it, it'll help you. I think that's going to be actually pretty fun. <laughs> What are what's your favorite Star Wars film? Like you guys. I mean, this, 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 this is contentious. You did say Star Wars, correct? Let's make Star sure Wars, we're yeah. in the right. All right. We're in the right My Star Wars film. Mm. And you can't have a tie. You can't have a tie because I know how this is. This is hard. When I was a kid, I loved Episode One. Oh, what? Oh, like Episode One. Okay. When, but I was a child back then. <laughs> Don't judge me. I thought Jar Jar Binks was the, was the funniest. Uh, I loved the podcasting scene. And I had no clue what the fuck Qui-Gon was talking about when he was talking about midi thingies. As a child, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So that whole thing went over my head. As a child, episode one was probably amazing because I was all about Star Wars back then. And then it came out. And I... And just... I was so ignorant back then. I would probably say that my favorite one would probably be New Hope currently. It's one of the only ones where I don't feel, like, cheated. And... Because with... It has, um, it has a very defined arc to it. It was... Yeah, because like, so... with, like, episode... No, because I think it's, like, with episode six, yes, they're rebuilding the Death Star, but then part of my brain was, like, that didn't work the first time. Why are we doing this again? Insanity. Doing the same right. thing and over then, again and <laughs> expecting a different result. That that is the Empire. Yeah, and then in the and then in episode six it had the Ewoks, which I'm not saying that I have a problem with them. I just like you know, eh, fine, whatever, shrug. But still, those were vicious little bastards. They were going to eat everybody, and they they're ate the, those stormtroopers. They're the goblins of the of the Star Wars universe, though. You should you should identify yeah. with them. Yeah, I'm not saying like I have an issue with them. I mean, I get, I get them. It's just one of those things where I kind of, if, if the Ewoks were going to be there, I kind of would have liked to have a little bit more like definite story behind them. Yeah. I don't know. It's like something about them to me just felt incomplete. You know, it's like you see it. It's like, yeah, I see what's going on here, but I kind of would prefer to learn more about this than to have to spend all this time trying to blow up this second Death Star. When the Empire Strikes Back, that's the, that's the fifth one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when, my like, that's Han my gets, favorite one. That's when Han gets like frozen in carbonite and everything and like Luke gets his hand cut off and Luke finds out that Vader's dad. 
I kind of liked that one in a way, but in the same token, when I was younger, it ended on a note that was so that was darker from what I would have expected. Because like you know, it hit that dark note, and I was kind of expecting the movie to continue just to realize the movie and was like, done. And over this. Yeah, so it's like you know, so it kind of left like a slightly bad taste in my mouth. Not that it's a bad movie; it's just one of those like I was expecting more, I got more, but the more I got wasn't the more I wanted. And as far as so- the prequels are concerned, I didn't watch the first one. I saw the second one and then just kind of got bored. And Samuel L. Jackson was in it, but he never called nobody a motherfucker. So I just kind of <laughs> shrugged. And then it's like, you know, like all the stuff that was going on, it's like I kind of have a feeling like I know everything that I've already needed to know without needing to know any of this. I, I like the I like Empire Strikes Back just because I'm a huge like Darth Vader fan. He's my favorite character in any galaxy or anything. He just He's so evil, and yet at the same time, like at the very end of his life, he you know comes around. So he like has a like anyone he gives off the theme like anyone can make a bad decision and somehow you know uh, get get over it. So he has like it's okay. very it's okay. We only murdered like a bunch of children and murdered yeah. our, our wife and betrayed an entire allegiance of knights. It's okay. It happens. Exactly. Like that. The, the you could do the worst things. And still end up all right if you just do the right thing at a certain time. And and I, I know that it's just it, it's a, it's just the way it is. But anyway, uh, it's it's the only it's one of the only movies that I could possibly think of that the bad guy wins. It's like uh, I think the only movie I could think of is Seven, where the See, you know the bad guy wins. Yeah. Okay, so when I was rewatching the Star Wars uh, movies with Ashley because she hadn't seen it before and. I would like her to actually have seen the movies and <clears throat> ideally we'd be able to just go out like around Christmas weekend and watch the new movie in theaters, which would be awesome. But I'm watching through the first movie and it was so dull. Like I was watching it and I kept thinking, wasn't there just more to this? Like I thought I remembered there being more to this and no, it's a very simple story. It's a very simple premise, which, okay, yeah. But that means it's relying entirely on the fact that you're enabled with, like, you know, the lore of the Jedi Knights and, and all that, which, yeah, it was fine when you're getting to this, to this for, like, the first time. But, like, after having been so long, it's, I'm just like, this doesn't hold up for me at all. Then we that's get. That's why you have to start with it when then, you do the machete order. Well, that's why we were doing the machete order. And then, like, yeah, we get saying, to the Empire Strikes start... Back, and I'm just like, wow. I have never really thought of using the word scoundrel before, but that just describes Solo to a T right now. Like, this man is just the biggest asshole I have ever seen. And he definitely like, is a polar character. I mean, like, normally I love assholes, and they're fine, but, wow, the, way, but the way they depict his relation, how his relationship builds with Leia, it's like, what the actual fuck? This, this isn't good. This isn't right. Like, and, keeps, and, that, and that's like in he, regards to Vader, right? No, this is Solo. Oh, like, Solo, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the way he keeps hitting on Le- Leia, she keeps rejecting it, and it's like, dear God, how 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 bad was the rest of this? And like Darth Vader, I we didn't get get a chance to watch the prequels or Return of the Jedi, but the more I think about, it, I'm just like, and then Vader is just like he's cool until you watch the movies now, where it's like. Either he's a whiny bitch, as Anakin, where he's constantly whining about something and goes to too far into an extreme before things are handled, and then, like, just... 
he's, I, de- I, I, he's definitely an extreme character because he goes from being good, like very pure good, like you know, white a white character to a completely like red black character to that's, a that's to even, a white that's to not, a white again. I don't know that. I don't think that's it. I, I really don't. Like he was so. I would have to rewatch the prequels again, but I think rewatching Star Wars destroyed the that the original trilogy for me. I'm still looking forward to the new trilogy, but dear God, I used to right. love the uh, shit. Of the, the one that's coming out, uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Want me yeah. to tell you what I think would probably be the best plot twist at the end of that movie? Jar Jar Binks was Darth Vader all along. <laughs> that would be no. insane. Jar Jar Binks would be Kylo Ren. <laughs> I saw that post. Yeah, oh, I saw that. I saw that, and the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know what? I would actually enjoy that. Like, if it got to the point where, like, Halloran removes his mask and turns out to be just Jar Jar Binks trying to bring Anakin back, I would be like, you know what? I get it. I'm totally into this. This character that everybody said sucked so hard turned into a total badass, like, four films later. I would be completely down for that. (laughs) That'd be awesome. In other news, apparently my boss now has four of the five Zendikar fetches in Exhibition Full play sets or singles? He's just collecting singles. Like, anything other than the single of the card he has goes straight into the case. Mm. I kind of want that Arid Mesa. <laughs> Even extra Arid Mesa, I'm tempted to just get it on, put it on my tab. Because that is a fine-looking land. Sure is. Wait, huh, so, so we have Giant Spider, which was basically <laughs> in the core set forever. But then later on, they actually had what uh, Goliath Spider. It's eight mana for seven six spider with reach. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> I could spend eight mana to get a seven six with reach. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes, you can. Ooh, there's grave robber spider. Spider that robs the graves. When in doubt, spider. Yes. You know that part in Arachnophobia? Uh, when he's walking in, he walks through that uh that no. big. Uh, <laughs> when he walks into no. the the web. But there's also. No. Uh, there's also Juvenile Gloom Widow. I mean, you know, it doesn't have infect, but it has wither. We're going to the outro. Medicast.com.